0: the long run, passivity won't pay off. It never pays off. If you want a life of meaning and transcendence, you're going to have to move. Aggression doesn't have to be toxic or damaging. Healthy aggression risks. It builds new things. It breaks through barriers. It's the key to living a life that matters. I'm Brian Tome, and this is The Aggressive Life. Me. The thing I'm thinking right now, what really bothers me is when someone believes they're gifted. Oh, he's gifted. Oh, I'm gifted. Oh, they're they're special. As if some people just have an intrinsically easier time of succeeding. And some people do. There is a there are many, many studies out that show that if you are good-looking, you're going to get the nod in an interview over somebody who's just as qualified but isn't as good-looking, and most of us are good-looking or not good-looking based on some genetic factors. So there's something there, but we take it too far when we start to believe, well, I haven't amounted to anything in my life thus far, so therefore I'm not going to amount to anything in the future. I do not think that just because you're successful and effective in grade school, you're going to be successful and effective in high school. I do not think that just because you're successful and effective in high school, you're going to be successful and effective in college. I do not believe that just because you came out of the gates with a great job at 22, you're going to have a career and you're going to have money in the bank and you're going to have a life well lived at age 50. I don't believe that. You and I have to believe that our best days are ahead, not because the God lottery is going to come our way and God's going to dip his little sweet sugar finger into our life and make our life better, or there's a glory cloud right around the corner. And we've got to believe that there's been character that we are forming through our own decisions. Even though we may not be having a lot of success right now or a lot of wins right now, if we're living our life right, right now, and doing the right things right now, There will be good things and better things ahead. There is such a thing as a late bloomer, and actually the late bloomers are oftentimes those that bloom the longest and go the furthest. We're gonna talk about that today. Eric Wood spent nine years in the National Football League and in his career, He was named the Pro Bowl. He was honored as the Buffalo Bills Man of the Year for his philanthropic work. And in 2017, he took every single offensive snap of the entire season. He suffered crushing injuries throughout his time of playing and still found a way to keep moving forward. Today, you can find him in the sports journalism world. He also hosts his own podcast called What's Next with Eric Wood. Hey, I can't wait to get to this guy today. Welcome to The Aggressive Life, Eric Wood. I appreciate you having me
1: on. Been a big fan of the show for a while. Big fan of yours. It's an honor coming on. Uh,
0: you, are, you are too kind. Flattery will get you everywhere, Eric. I just tell you, I, I wish that I had this conversation back in 1982 when my football coach shifted me from tight end to center. And, like, I had the worst coaching staff ever. It was just like, okay, you're going to be center now. And then I was a center. So I wish I had the t- tools of the trade for you. Give us, as a center, someone's going to be a center for the first time. Maybe we have some peewee footballers listening to us or some people in high school have crappy coaches like I do. Give me, give me like two or three things. If you're a center, here's the key.
1: Yeah, I actually made a transition in high school from tight end to tackle, and then at the University of Louisville ended up being a center. But, you know, the center controls the line of scrimmage, and so you're making all the calls. And and that's generally when you get a little bit later in your football career. But your snaps have got to be perfect. Every play on a football field starts with the snap, and that's got to be perfect. You can take it for granted. It's like guys shooting free throws. Um, you just expect them to go in, and when they don't, it's, it's a catastrophe, even bigger in football when the ball hits the ground. Uh, so the snap's got to be perfect. But, but like any offensive lineman, number one or the, the top qualities, attributes, smart, tough, and available.
0: Yeah, I have a friend of mine who says that the three A's are available, affable and able. I think we all need our little metrics that tells us how how to get ahead in life. I I didn't have the – we weren't doing the shotgun back in high school in 1983. It was just good old school quarterback having his hands at my rear. took a little time to get used to that. But uh, the one thing I found was – and and, and I just kind of discovered this on my own. Tell me if this is the right technique or not. I found the key for me – was taking the first step simultaneously to hiking the ball. Is that right technique or wrong technique?
1: No, that's 100% right. And and often when I see young kids trying to play the center position, uh, it's not muscle memory yet to snap the football and move at the same time. And if you cannot do that, uh, you will not last the position very long.
0: I I also found it was was next to impossible for me to do a drive block on somebody. When I was a tight end, I could drive block on somebody. But in center, I just found myself or I just got to I just got to get in front of the guy unless it's a crackdown block on a tackle I can hit his hip he doesn't even see me coming is that generally true or was I just not good enough to drive block a center
1: no as a center you start to play with one hand between your legs so a lot of it's positioning your head and your off hand um, to try and just get some type of leverage to where you're not going to get blown up and you know there was games in college where we'd play an inferior opponent and maybe you have a few highlight blocks I'll call them um, in, in those types of games but when you get to the NFL a stalemate is a win in any position across the line of scrimmage, especially at
0: center. Wow. That's deep right there. A stalemate is a win. I, I think that kind of relates to life. Sometimes we feel like if I'm not taking massive strides and going forward, then somehow uh, I'm not going forward. You're right. I, I just go through my own mind. Like A lot of times it's like sometimes good enough is just good enough. That almost sounds awful to say on the, on, on the aggressive life, but I think there's some lessons there for life.
1: No doubt. And when you're an offensive lineman, if you're trying to crush people and move them off the ball, it, there's there's going to be times where you're going to whiff, especially as you get older in your career. Defensive linemen get so much better. You have to be under control at all times. So going for those big, as I call them, highlight blocks, sometimes can leave you in big trouble as opposed to just being consistent on a uh, play-by-play, snap-by-snap, Journey and then relating it back to life, like you said, maybe that's the key. Maybe not taking these big swings for the fences, whether it's business, your faith walk, whether it's your athletic career, maybe it's just day in and day out consistency that gets the job done in the end.
0: Dude, you're dropping truth bombs on us. Highlight blocks, going for those things where someone goes on their back. I, man, I, the, the number of people I know who just tanked their life because they want to hit a home run every single time instead of just 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 a base hit. But yet you you were able to hit a home run with your career, I mean of all the thousands of people who, you know, suit up in pee wee football or junior high or JV or varsity, you're one of the very few that went to the NFL had some success. Was there was there anything that you can remember doing or thinking when you were 13, 14, 15 that you think were keys to helping you get to the next level?
1: You know, I was fortunate to play had a good program growing up, and I learned a lot of lessons had had unbelievable opportunities coaching uh, but i didn 't even start as a junior on our football team our state our first state championship team, which i 'm often reminded by buddies and and, and i 'm fine with that I take a lot of pride <laughs> in that i was I was our second tight end, so I saw the field, but i wasn 't a full time starter it, and I say that because i didn 't have these Necessarily high hopes of playing in the NFL. I didn't have these this big aha moment. Now my senior year, I put on about fifty pounds, and and I was a pretty dominant tackle. But I didn't get offered a scholarship till after the season. University of Louisville's coaches come and watch me play basketball and offer me a football scholarship after a basketball game. Just seeing me kind of move around at that size. So you know, I didn't have these crazy aha moments. I kind of developed over time. Got great opportunities. I mentioned great coaching raised by parents that instilled a great work ethic in me. Um, I, I, it, was, it was more short-term goals than maybe this long-term, like, aha, I'm gonna play in the NFL
0: moment. Boy, you just mentioned something that's been a fascinating topic I've been researching and reflecting on a lot lately. It's, it's the idea of being a late bloomer. You, you talked about, in, uh, as a junior, you weren't starting. I mean, we wouldn't think that someone who's not starting as a junior would actually go on to make the Pro Bowl in the NFL, but I think there's this, there, there's this sort of brainwashing in our culture that unless you, you know, are hitting the select teams when you're when you're really really young, unless you're getting straight A's when you're in fifth grade, your life is your life is not going to be all all it is. I, I'll tell you, for me, uh, I, I was a late bloomer. I, I didn't start getting my stuff together until about I was about 28. Wow. Twenty nine. There was there was zero zero that was commendable about my life. Everything I tried left and right was frustrating for me. Everything I tried, I was like low man the totem pole, or at least fourth or fifth or something like that. Same as you in high school. I, I didn't start until I was a senior, and it was a crappy team. I, it wasn't elder. You know? It was it was a crappy team in Pittsburgh. And I, I find that fascinating today that that so many of us are just giving up on dreams. We're we're settling for a low view of our potential only because we haven't bloomed early. Yeah, yeah, I I
1: agree with that 100%. And and I have this conversation with so many pro athletes on my podcast. All the guys I talked to, they played all the sports as a kid. They didn't specialize in one thing. A lot of them were late bloomers. I, I trained with Clay Matthews for the Combine. And we were picked in consecutive picks in the draft. Both were at the Pro Bowl together, and neither of us started as a junior um, in high school. And, and this wow. is Bruce Matthews' son. You know, right. this isn't, this isn't um, Eric Wood, no professional athletes in the family. His dad played pro football. You know his brothers played pro football, and and he didn't start either. He just took him a while to bloom, and then he ends up at USC, and he was the 29th pick in the draft, I believe. My year one pick after me. So yeah, it, it, it's it's wild that you would write off a kid because he's underdeveloped, and um, I don't know if you've read the book Outliers, but they talk at length about yes. you know eliminating kids early. From teams, and then you get worse coaching and worse competition, and what that does. And they related it to the um, Canadian Olympic hockey team. It's a fascinating read, uh, but but it's a it's a dangerous thing for development of kids, and it's a d- dangerous thing for pro sports and entertainment when you eliminate so much of the population because they didn't develop early.
0: Well, that's one of the uh, things I've come across in this whole late blooming study and reflection I'm doing. Is one of the theories is that. When you're a late bloomer, you have not had a lot of uh, maybe natural talent, quote-unquote natural talent, and you've had to reach deep into something you didn't have. You had to learn to deal with failure. You've had to learn to overcome obstacles as opposed to here I am and I have this amazing hand-eye coordination to hit a ball. There's, this, there's, 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 there's something in the growth. There's something in the struggle, and I think that's what my vision for this podcast is. is I want people to struggle. I want people to, to go through difficulty. And unless we embrace this value of aggressiveness, of I, need, I should be pushing, I should be going forward versus, oh, I just got, I hit the, the gene lottery, and everything's easy for me. Unless we embrace this value, we're never gonna ultimately reach our potential or see God doing us what he could actually do in us.
1: I, I agree with that one hundred percent. And and people that are late bloomers, you learn that work ethic. You've learned how to push through. Um, you know, you walk into an NFL locker room, and even the first round of the draft half of the first round picks were from the sec and i would argue the other half were from either ohio state or clemson and there was a couple at least one maybe two from usc so you have all these blue bloods you walk into an nfl locker room it's one double a school it's MAC school it's aac school and there's there's a number of blue chip prospects but there are so many people that developed late but you know what they're smart they're tough they will not allow themselves to not make the team. And when you have 90 guys fighting for 53 spots and you got four weeks of training camp and preseason games to do it, it's the tough guys that are gonna show up at the end. It's the ones that know their plays and that are reliable because that's who the coaches want to put on the field on Sundays to defend their job, to keep their families in that city, to keep their kids at that same school. they got to have guys they can rely on. And to your point, I would argue a lot of times it's the late bloomers that have developed those reliable traits or aspects about their character that keep them there. This is
0: fascinating. We all know that the SEC and the schools you mentioned, I mean, they dominate on draft day. Are are you saying that if you went to a, a, a winning locker room where there were six, seven, eight year-long starters that those people would not be disproportionately SEC? I would bet um, throughout a locker room if you looked around
1: and if you replaced nameplates with either conferences or if you just replaced it with um, school names you'd be amazed by the diversity in there as opposed to what you see in the first round. And, and a lot of right. the, what you see in the first round are these guys and these are guys are the early bloomers. they got Scholarships to the big SEC schools when they were 15, 16, 17 years old. And so they developed early. They left for the pros early. Well, now they're 21 years old. Yeah. Who, know, who knows what they're going to be like at 25? But then you got right. – the, but, but then there's, there's a number of other guys um, that are coming in, still developing, still working on their craft, and, and they'll bypass those
0: guys um, a lot of times. That's really fascinating because I just – in my own mind, I go through, okay, who's the who's who in the NFL I think of? Well, obviously Tom Brady. Nope, he was Michigan, not ACC, Ohio State, whatever. Um, I mean, it's just, just the ones I'm going through. Yeah, they, they don't have that pedigree. Wow. We, we probably should stop right now because you've already given me something to chew on. This is, this is good stuff. But we also see this in high school, I think. I think um, when I go to my uh, most depressing times for me is when I went to my high school reunion, which is why I stopped going at year 10. Like, I'm never going to one of those freaking things again. Never, ever, 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 ever. Because all the people who were the stars in high school, all the people who were the popular ones in high school, ended up not figuring it out by year 10 and it just got worse and worse. And I think that's another theory of, you were an early bloomer. You hit the, you hit the DNA lottery and you never learned to manage your life. You never learned to do the things you didn't want to do. And um, I think it's a big, big, big lesson for us today.
1: Yeah, absolutely, I love that.
0: All right, so we're all sick of talking the coronavirus, but I, I just got to do it. I want to get back on football and all that kind of stuff. But, man, do you, do you really think it's possible that, that we don't have an NFL season this year? Do you think that's possible? Uh, I've been
1: strictly instructed by bosses within the NFL and ESPN to not speculate on this. And at this point, there's a bunch of scenarios out there. They're prepared to move forward as soon as it's healthy enough to do so or, or it's deemed healthy enough to do so. I can't imagine there would be no NFL games this year. It's hard for me to imagine some of these small towns that rely on so much money coming from college football to survive without college football, the economic effect would probably be a lot worse than the actual effect of the coronavirus. If at risk individuals stayed away from the stadium, which they likely need to do for a while anyways, whether this lifts or not. Um, So yes, it would, it would be hard for me to imagine no NFL season this year.
0: Yeah, man. Crazy, crazy times. Well, who knows what kind of great players we could see this year that we might not even see, but you played nine, nine seasons. That, that, that's an eternity in the NFL, not just to get to the NFL as a leap, but to stick around for nine years when I think the average career length is like three years. Nine years. I think that's actually more impressive, Eric, than you actually getting to the NFL. You, you stuck around for nine years. That's like longevity and endurance. Was it, Was there anything that you were able to do to last that long?
1: A, a number of things. And, and honestly, I was so blessed to play the entire time with one organization. And I played for seven head coaches in nine years. Two were interims but there was a lot of turnover. So to, there was only two of us during that time frame that were with the Bills the entire time, me and our defensive tackle, Kyle Williams. Um, and sometimes it's easier for me to brag on Kyle and what made him be able to stick around than it is to talk about myself. But you know, it's showing up for work every single day and being a pro, and that can be defined in a number of different ways, but acting like a professional each and every day, handling your business on the field, because the NFL is truly a business. And if you're not handling your business on the field, they will ship you out. They'll get the next guy in there, pouring into others in the organization and identifying yourself as a leader. Um, year four or five in my career, I, start, I started becoming a captain for the Buffalo Bills. And then, um, you know, I, I always signed contracts early. I never hit free agency. And could that have been financially uh, beneficial for me? Potentially. Yeah. But I wanted to stay in Buffalo. If I would have left Buffalo and and not ever got them out of that playoff drought, man, it would have stuck with me for the rest of my life.
0: Wait, did you, were you there when the, when the Bills got out of the playoff drought?
1: I was. I, my favorite football memory uh, was when we beat Miami, down in Miami, in 2017. And we go into the locker room, and there was three 4 o'clock games, and, and the Cincinnati fans will, will likely remember this we go in the locker room and we watch Andy Dalton throw a touchdown pass to Tyler Boyd I believe in overtime to beat the Baltimore Ravens and in the Bengals my hometown team sends sends the bills to the playoffs and we break our
0: 17-year playoff drought that's amazing utterly amazing so you're you break the playoff drought you're there nine years I don't know what's more impressive that you lasted nine years or that you can still talk after nine years I mean your your hits are like crashing a car into the wall at thirty miles per hour. It sounds brutal. Does every does every hit feel like it's that brutal?
1: No, honestly a lot of the hits you feel on the football field you don't you you hardly feel it. You you remember this from playing growing up. When your adrenaline's going, you just don't feel it like you would if if your adrenaline wasn't going. I mean I've had my son or my daughter who are four and two, I've had them pinch me or something and i'll say how and i never say ow on a football field and so (laughs) when your adrenaline's going you don't feel it but uh there's a lot of monday mornings you wake up and and you definitely feel like you got hit by a car the previous day and then um i went through a number of injuries throughout my nfl career that were a long rehab process coming back and um, not a ton of fun do
0: you have any concerns about long-term health to your brain coming out of that
1: I do honestly, um, and and I don't have any debilitating effects right now. Still feel sharp, feel sharper than I ever have. But um, I have, and and I went and saw a guy named Dr. Daniel Amon. He has clinics around the country, and I got some brain scans done. There was some concern about blood flow to certain areas that could that could lead to what they call a smoldering effect. You know, you take all these head collisions, and then at In your 50s, you you start to develop some early dementia, and it's just uh, kind of a smoldering effect. So I went through a six-month kind of brain rehab program with them. And like I said, it wasn't wasn't like my wife said, hey, you need to go see him. I had just heard him on a few podcasts and thought, man, I'm going to go talk to this guy. And after six months of um, using his supplement program and then hyperbaric oxygen treatments, there was way better blood flow to those areas, a way improved uh, brain scan. And so I've continued those and hopefully in a few years from now, I'll be able to continue that rehab process. But there's a thing called neuroplasticity and they're figuring out now that your brain until the day you die can either be improving or going in the wrong direction. And, and you can mm-hmm. control that with lifestyle choices and not taking hits to the head and hyperbaric oxygen, and as well as thinking gratifying thoughts and, and, and working your thought patterns and all that can, can affect your brain as well.
0: So you, you did the program and you with your own eyeballs can see your brain before and after and you can see a difference.
1: Yeah, definitely, and they, they use what's called a spec scan, and, and it makes it a lot it's a lot easier to read than maybe an MRI. It's like a almost like a rainbowed colored three D image of a brain that you can kind of move around at, at your will, and then there's black spots where there's lack of blood flow, and it's it's uh, it's it's almost alarming when you see it the first time, um, and then but then you can compare it to others that were dramatically worse than yours, and realize you're not in the worst position possible.
0: I always find it fascinating, Eric, when science comes along and says something that is in the Bible. Like one of my key verses I I reflect on regularly is the book of Proverbs. It says, as a man thinketh, so is he. You know, we, we we can control our thoughts and our thoughts actually create our reality and scientifically actually create our brain chemistry. The Bible also says taking every thought captive. I just find that like so many people, so many of us are just victims, like, oh, this is just the way I am. Oh, this is just the way I feel. Oh, this is just the way I think. Well, is it the way you wanna think? Is it the way you wanna feel? Is it the way you wanna be long-term? You, you don't have to play with the cards that you're dealt. You, you could turn them in and get some new ones. You can actually take control of your life.
1: Yeah, I love it, and and that's something I've been preaching to people during this COVID nineteen time. And you know, right now, me and my family are healthy, and we've been affected by it. But there's there's so many people that have been affected worse. I've heard uh, recently someone said we're all in the same boat, but we're not necessarily all facing the same storm. And and that was pretty convicting to me. But you know, I have buddies that are losing their small businesses. I have buddies that you know, have, have been losing loved ones and, and they're just so overwhelmed by this time right now. And I tell them, what are you doing to pour into yourself daily? What's your morning look like? How are you controlling your thought processes to set yourself up for success? And to your point, as a man thinketh, so he become, there are so many powerful visualization tools. There are so many scientific studies on the power of visualization and, and thinking something into existence in your life. I know it sounds
0: it sounds really weird and flaky, but no, it's it's the truth. If you're if you're convinced that you're going to lose, then you're going to lose. If you're convinced that you're going to be depressed, you're you're going to be depressed. It's a that, that's a big deal. So you you've been able to use that visualization to be able to impact your physical brain. That's that that's pretty impressive. Um, do, do you think like this stuff that you're dealing with, Eric? how much of the discipline you learn to be a top-notch athlete how much of those those skills or those disciplines translate in your regular life like if you were just to pick up financial consulting do you think that the discipline you've learned would be impacting that career
1: yeah i think it could and a lot of things with professional sports translate to business and i've i've gotten into a little bit of keynote speaking and whatnot, and there's so much that when you go um, in ways of preparation, how we prepared for games is how you should prepare for a call or a meeting or whatever it may be, and my, my same approach to each day where every day I walked in the door and I had to be my best or my job was on the line. That translates to business, and there's so many uh, correlations there. And, and, and in my personal life, um, I see it all the time. And and I will say this, one of the hardest things to transition out of the NFL was the lack of structure and routine. So I, I've tried to get myself, even if my days don't look like a normal 9-to-5 My wife would tell you I'm anything but bored. Um, but to get in a routine, to create a schedule and to stay on that pattern has been, has been extremely valuable for me. And, um, I mentioned the injuries I've had. Um, in in 2009, I broke my leg in half, did the Joe Theismann. In 2010, I did a high ankle sprain, got surgery after the season. 2011, I did ACL, PCL, lateral meniscus. 2012, uh, MCL. Broke my leg on Monday Night Football in 2016, and then I had my career-ending neck injury in 2017. Sheesh. Well, the other the other day, just comparing that to real life, the other day, my one,
0: one day I had this hangnail. One day, like I had this ingrown toenail. It really hurt me. Exactly, and those do hurt, no <laughs> doubt. Uh, but 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 my daughter fell
1: off her scooter headfirst the other day, uh, no helmet on scraped up her face and her her hand a little bit but then she got back on it and went down the same hill on the same day and I said baby I am so proud of you you know why because there were so many times when I broke my leg and the first the next time I went out on the football field all I could think about was man there's a lot of bodies on the ground right now who's gonna be the next one to fall on my legs but you keep playing you push through and then eventually you get over it and she immediately hopped back on, and made me so proud and it's like you relate so many things to sports. And, and, and this is if, if you stop playing sports a, after high school, you always relate things back to teamwork and pushing through and competing in whatever it may be.
0: Eric, you allow your kids to ride their bicycle without a helmet. What, what kind of parent are you? What kind of Neanderthal man are you? Hey, we we do now have uh, two brand new
1: helmets, uh, cur- <laughs> courtesy courtesy of Amazon.com. Um, those showed up yesterday morning. Um, you know, that's I, not
0: the answer I was looking for. That's not the answer well, I was looking
1: for. Well, I've read I've read your book, Five Marks of a Man. One of my favorite books is Wild at Heart. Um, I listened to your podcast, and, and, and I knew where you're going with that. But um, you know, it, it's valuable for kids to fall to get muddy, to have scrapes. It's terrible to say, but to get hurt, to get some bumps and bruises. Yes. That molds them. You can't keep these kids coddled. Yes. And, and as an adult, you can't live your life sitting in a cubicle and, and and whether the outdoors is riding a motorcycle and camping like you, or I like to I like to golf. It's a non contact sport and I get out there and compete and you know, I, I don't get out on the golf course to drink twelve
0: beers like some people do. Like I want to get out there and compete. If it's worth playing, it's worth winning. Absolutely. I, I, I just know that I just I'm pro helmets, sort of. When I ride my motorcycle and I'm going 90 miles an hour, I have a helmet on, um, that, that's fine. It doesn't, doesn't diminish my, my thing, I do that. But I just, I like to pick at that every once in a while because I do think it's a, a sign of the passivity of our culture. I think it's a sign of the fear of our culture. I think it's a sign of us being so concerned about what might happen if I make an aggressive move that if I don't have an insurance policy or a helmet or a safety plan, or whatever that you know I can't do it, and I, I just see too many people's lives are mobile. For me, the helmets, the helmet, and if you, by the way, if you're a parent, you want to put a helmet on your kid. That's okay, that's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying you're a really an awful parent. I'm just trying to push us a little bit, guys. I'm trying to push us because I think we're buying into a, a lie of safety that will not get our lives where it needs to go. And I'm with you, brother, about the broken arms, all that stuff. I, I think all my kids like I got three of them. All my kids together. Their youngest one's twenty-one. One broken arm between all my kids together. I I had two broken arms and a broken finger by third grade. That was that was just broken bones. I I do feel like there's something in endurance of us getting hurt and taking risks.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you learn how to persevere through those times, and and you get past it once, and then the next situation you're in um, doesn't seem nearly as bad. There's there's you know, a lot of studies around normalizing discomfort, you know, waking up and taking a cold shower, which sucks. I don't like to take a cold shower in the morning, but when you get used to being uncomfortable, when you're used to persevering through things, it'll show up in other places in your life. And I don't want to get too far down a rabbit hole, but when you persevere through an injury. When you're a kid and you learn to scrape yourself and you don't get up and you don't make a team, but your dad makes you go out and play the sport anyways, when you do stuff like that, maybe your marriage lasts longer. Maybe you don't give up as a dad, a husband. Maybe you don't give up on your business as quick. And maybe it correlates to a whole lot more than we give it credit for.
0: All right, Eric, we're going to go into the lightning round. This is the round where I, I say something and you answer it as quick as possible. Are you up for the challenge? Let's do it. All right, we're gonna check how that uh, how that brain rehab is going for you because if you can't get great answers, we know you got to go back and do more barometric pressure. So there, there's there's a little there's a little slash insult and challenge for you. Can you handle it? Sounds good. All right, here we go. The draft just happened last weekend. Who came out on top? Uh, man, I want to say the Buffalo Bills. Um,
1: secretly, uh, I'm hoping for the Bengals. To get Burrow. Hopefully, that'll be the the
0: savior for the franchise. All right. Assuming the NFL season, assuming, assuming there is one, which teams do you foresee doing well this year?
1: Man, this this seems uh, uninspiring, but I'll say the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Tom Brady and the cast of crew they got down there. Um, I'm not just saying this because I work with the Buffalo Bills still. Um, the Buffalo Bills have a tremendous core of talent. I can't imagine the Kansas City Chiefs taking that big of a step back. And then in the NFC, another NFC South team. I like the Saints.
0: Hmm. All right. Defensive lineman, you didn't want to go up against? Any defensive lineman in a contract year.
1: <laughs> and that's a fact, period.
0: Fascinating. All right. Um, favorite football memory?
1: I mentioned it earlier when the Bills went to the playoffs and, and the Bengals sent us in there. That wasn't an on-field moment. In 2011, we started really hot to the season. We made it to 3-0 and beat the Patriots at home, which was a ton of fun as well. Other than yourself,
0: greatest center of all time.
1: Wow, that's a great question. Um, I'll say the late Kent Hall. I've, I've gotten to see a lot of film on his. Uh, he's passed. I've become buddies with his son now. But he, he was he was the anchor on all those Bill's Super Bowl teams. And if you ask Jim Kelly who the MVP was, a lot of them will say Kent Hall.
0: Fascinating. I was thinking you were going to say Dermani
1: Dawson, Mike Dermonte, Webster. but Yeah, Dermani Dawson. Yeah, all great candidates. Um, I, I
0: gave you another Homer answer, though. Yeah. You are, you are a Bills guy. Like every, you know what, it's, you're, you're, you're like asking a kid in Sunday school any question. You ask a kid in Sunday school, what the, what, what, what's what got a brushy tail and eats nuts? And they go, uh, Jesus? No, no, it's a squirrel. It's a squirrel. Every answer does not have to be the Buffalo Bills, Eric. No, you're right.
1: And, and you know what? <laughs> Two years ago when you asked who I thought was going to have a good season, um, I would have been honest with you, and, and I wouldn't have put them in my top four this
0: year. Recent thing I've learned about God that's impacting me.
1: Man, in the current COVID-19 situation that God's in control, and I was supposed to be out of town for five weeks, and part work, part pleasure, vacation with the family, and I got hunkered down in Louisville and didn't miss my Christian gratitude journal one time, didn't miss my Bible reading one time in the morning. I had no excuses, and the consistency from that was tremendous for
0: me. All right, I'm gonna give you. I don't think I've ever done this on the Aggressive Life before, Eric, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this right now. And if it doesn't go well, I'll just edit it out. Okay, so no pressure. <laughs> but uh, you know, one of the things I don't like about my job—I'm a pastor by day—is that anything I say about faith or Jesus anything I say, hey, this is the way we need to be living our life, God wants this, or the Bible's a, I, I, there's this kind of cloud that people have of, well, yeah, well, you know, you have to say that you're a pastor. Oh, yeah, well, you you know, you know, went to cemetery, excuse me, seminary. You went there, you, you, you have to believe those things. There's, there's kind of like, you're not normal guy, so therefore, I take some of your opinions with a grain of salt. When I get someone like you on, you just just happen to mention your journal, talk with God every day, we got, we got normal, Flesh and blood, manly guy here who's got a lot of experiences and a lot of stuff. Would you just kind of like articulate, pontificate? We're out of the lightning round, by the way. Just who God is to you and why it's important for you having a life that, that works. Man, that's, that's a
1: great question. And in, in, in to your point, I didn't grow up going to church all the time. I went to Catholic schools, but we weren't sitting at Sunday Mass every morning. And when I got to college, I didn't go to church hardly at all. Um, I got introduced to, to God, a relationship with Jesus Christ in college by our FCA uh, chaplain Chris Morgan, who showed me that um, there was more than just attending a service or a, a Mass than a relationship with Jesus Christ. So uh, God is my foundation. My my faith is my foundation. Um, I have, um, through this COVID-19 deal, I'm challenging my men's group at church that I lead to do a different memory verse each and every week so that if this lasts 12 weeks, 15 weeks, if you lose your business, if you gain 15 pounds, if you drank too much, whatever it may be, you can look back at this time in your life and say, man, I memorized 12 scripture verses, this and that. And um one of mine uh, was matthew seven twenty three and twenty four talking about building your foundation on the rock, and the storms came, and the streams rose, and the wind blew against that house, but it did not fall because its foundation was built on rock and I feel like these last maybe seven or eight years that that i've been having this daily walk with God that my foundation is just so much different and and not that our lives are perfect. You know, I've, I've dealt with serious adversity. I, you know, I, I was talking to my men's group one time about how guilty I felt because everyone had all this stuff going on in their life. And, and I just felt like I was kind of skating by. And one of my buddies looks at me and goes, you just had a career-ending neck injury. I said, yeah, but we have like financial security and I got the woman of my dreams at home, two healthy kids, like, that's not a, that's not a true storm. And he was like, oh, it is. But you, it, it, and that like rocked my world when he told me that. And I was like, I think I finally got a foundation built on the rock. Like it just right. clicked for me. And, um, and so for me, what that looks like is just every morning in some way, shape or form, getting into the word. And, and it's amazing what that does for me in the rest
0: of my day. Yeah, that, that, that's fantastic. Cause you're right. We, we can think some of us who are, who are believers can think, well, You know, memorizing the Bible is kind of like brushing my teeth. I guess I should do it, but I never enjoy when I do it. And actually, brushing our teeth, we all understand, oh, I should brush my teeth because I don't want cavities. Very few of us understand what you just articulated. Having God define our reality, have his word, the Bible, define our mind and what we should think, and bending it around that, it makes a huge, huge difference in our day-to-day stability.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and just like brushing your teeth every day may not be fun, but when you go to the dentist, you don't have to deal with the pain of them doing a filling. <laughs> Putting the word in every morning may allow you to not deal with those anxious thoughts. Deal with severe depression. It may help Come you get now through now, tough times. Keep preaching. Come on now. Yeah. Get on
0: it. <laughs> keep going. My goodness. You, Did know, you just make that illustration up. That's an amazing illustration. No, I loved it. I loved. I loved how you talked. To, it, it hit me when you said
1: uh, about brushing your teeth out you do it every day because it's good for you but it prevents that that longer hurt you know yes and and it's you know cavities they're financial they're time consuming you got to clear your schedule and then they hurt like hell and so if i'm if i'm sitting there brushing my teeth in the morning no i'm not going to think about all those consequences but when you when you memorize scripture and something comes up yeah. um, and you're able to recite it and fill your thoughts going all the way back to our original uh, discussion as a man thinketh, when you fill your head each day with
0: these truths from the Bible, they will show up in your life. Man, that's really good. I I just think of my own life. Every time I've gotten out of alignment with the Word of God, with the Bible, every time it brings me pain eventually. I've had sexual pain from it. I've had financial pain. I have not honored my wife as i as i should and i get marital pain i've been uh, at times overbearing to my children and the bible says you know don't fathers don't exasperate your children don't stir your kids to anger i've done that and it's brought me relational tension with my kids sometimes years later every single time maybe that's where we end right now is Ladies, gentlemen, if you if you want to make an aggressive move, why don't you just pick up the Bible, go to a, go to a Bible app, go to the Crossroads Church app, go to some app where the and here's the thing: when you read it, do what it says. Actually, do it, not philosophize about it, but do it. Eric, you got anything else you want to leave us with today? So, um, do you
1: remember at man camp? So the one with the really bad storm a couple year about a year and a half ago or whatever. Um, Have you been to man camp? Do you remember me walking in with the garbage bag full of stuff? And you're like... no. So I I literally had a black garbage bag with all my stuff in it. And you're like, man, this, this dude's bringing the black garbage bag in, something or other. And my buddies were like, if he knew that you were one year removed from a nine-year NFL career and you could definitely afford the nicest luggage and all that <laughs> and I was like yeah but that's not how I roll like I I would rather just roll like this
0: I think I actually do think I remember that it's it's so funny seeing people walk in a man cam cuz some people they just want all the cool latest gear even though they're never going to use it again and then other dudes just like you you roll with a garbage bag and and all cotton stuff and like uh yeah. oh, 48 hours i'll be all right yeah it's, so I was it's sh- funny to see yeah that. i was
1: sharing a tent with a navy former navy seal so he had our tent and everything and then he had said put all of your stuff into a black garbage bag or maybe he was saying like when we get to the camp and so i had like a nice backpack and stuff and i had and a nice sleeping bag like for under, you know, zero degree temperature rated. But it was all in this black garbage bag. And they were like, (laughs) that is perfect that he called you out on that. And then we couldn't believe we had to leave. And and my Navy SEAL buddy was the one who was like, no, we need to get out of here. And we're like, I was like, Matt, you know, I don't want to take you out of here. I know, like, what you're all about. And he was like, dude, I'm telling you, we are absolutely soaking wet. Our tent is destroyed. He's like,
0: "We're, we're in for a world of hurt if we stay. That was that was a brutal brutal night. Uh, for those of you who don't know, man camp is something we do. That's uh, uh, men come out and we just get back to get back to basics, sitting around a campfire, talking with people, pooping in the woods, um, singing together. I mean, guys, when they've gone to battle, every major battle they sing together. We're just just a bunch of crazy stuff. Well, this this one, we, we bought this piece of land that I swear the weather patterns there are ten percent worse than. closest city. And we got utterly pummeled. I mean, tent after tent, flattened. I mean, literally flattened. Poles broken and everything. Raining hard. It was cold. We had, I don't know, probably 30% of the camp at two o'clock in the morning just walk, I don't know what it is, Eric, a mile and a half back to the car in pitch dark in ranks. They're thinking, if I stay out here, I'm going to get hypothermia and I'm going to die. Yeah. It was intense.
1: And I was all about just staying up all night and hanging out around a fire and taking off in the morning just to, I mean, we're at man camp. Let's prove our manhood. And uh, but when my buddy who is a Navy SEAL said, no, it's it's not safe for us to be out here. I said, that's probably a sign that we should hit the road.
0: (laughs) That's right. Sometimes the most aggressive move is to go home. So, Eric, if someone wants to follow up with you, they want to hear more from you, they want to see what's going on with you, how can they uh, How can they engage with you?
1: Yeah, I'm on uh, Twitter and Instagram at EWood70, and then I have my podcast called What's Next with Eric Wood, and that's been a fun journey for me, kind of figuring out what I'm going to do post-life in the NFL. I interview people from... Uh, pastors so you'll be hit up in the future uh, everyone from yeah. pastors um, former professional athletes business owners just people I want to learn from uh, man it's been a ton of fun
0: Eric boy I tell you what I feel—I I really do feel a, uh, a brotherhood with you I feel a kinship with you this is uh, man I, I know I want to keep following up with you I'm, I'm, new information I'm going to be in your podcast I can't wait to do that honor for your time today you've, uh, you've helped a lot of people and uh, way to go man there you go We'll see you next time on The Aggressive Life. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks for listening. For more aggressive living, head over to bryantome.com. Get signed up for the mailing list to get regular shots of positive aggression sent straight to your inbox. And while you're there, you can also find articles, podcasts, and books. I'm also active on Instagram. Search bryantome. Special thanks to the band Judges for the music. Aggressive Life with Brian Tomes, a production of Crossroads Church, Cincinnati, Ohio.